Well, good morning. All right, why do I want to be quiet like you in the library or something? Guys are being very, very quiet. The joy of anticipation. It's good to be here with you. Is it good to be here? Are you thankful that we live in a country where we can still gather together and worship and praise the name of God? We're going to continue our series, Behold, a Savior is Born. In this time of year, when our hearts and minds now are drawn to Christmas Day, and our hearts begin to get filled with anticipation as we look forward to that day when Christ was born. Now, can I just qualify that statement? Christ is not a created being. He took on flesh on that day. He's still divine. He's still God. He was man and God. So, yes, we say it's his birthday, but he wasn't born such as you and I. He was still God. I want you to understand that he's not a created being like you and I. Last week, we talked about the hope that fills our heart when we think about the fulfillment of God's word to the prophet Isaiah. Do you remember the words of that promise that he made? That he would send a sign to his people that the anointed one was coming. And we celebrate the fulfillment of that sign each and every Christmas season as we celebrate and proclaim the arrival of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And today we're going to look at anticipation. The joy that is ours when we anticipate what Christ's arrival means for us in our own lives. Brooke, I didn't do this because you'd be here today, but here goes the illustration. You back there with your mother? That's my oldest daughter I'm talking to. There is one activity that my girls love to do with my wife around Christmas, especially Madeline, my youngest. And that was to cook and decorate Christmas cookies. Now, if you've done Christmas cookies or any baking, you know it's a wealth process you have to go through. It's a lot of investment made. You have to measure out the ingredients. Make sure you're using the proper ingredients to mix to make the the cookies. You want to put something in there that doesn't belong, such as baking powder versus baking soda. (laughs) Anyway, you mix it all up and you roll out the dough. Now, depending on the type of cookies you're making, sometimes they'll go in the, in the refrigerator to chill or they will go into the oven. But before you do that, you'll take the cookie cutters. Then you can have gingerbread, you can have a candy cane, whatever you're doing. And you take the cookie cutters out, you put it in the oven or put it in the refrigerator to chill. When they get time, either done baking or they come out of the refrigerator, what do you do then? You decorate with sprinkles or frosting, whatever you want. And here's the point I'm trying to make. You get to the point where all that work you just put in, between the measurement and mixing them all up, rolling out the dough, all that time you put in, you know it's going to pay off because eventually you'll be able to eat what you just spent all the time making. That is anticipation. You're anticipating, boy, those cookies are going to be good when they come out of the oven. Or if you're like I do and they pull them out of the oven, I may just grab them off the cookie sheet. Ooh, that's hot. But that's the joy of anticipation, knowing that that hard work is going to pay off. And you anticipate that. As you look through the biblical Christmas narrative, nearly all the characters in the story who are waiting for Jesus to be born 
have this anticipation. Now, you may think otherwise because after years and years of anticipation, you think there would be kind of despair about it. But no. They just knew that this Jesus, this anointing one, was coming and what that arrival would mean for them and the others. And they filled them with excitement of what's going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. What's about to happen? Well, I say what's about to happen. What is going to happen sometime in the future we should be, we should be anticipating? A big event. That's believers. What's going to happen one day? Return of Christ. We should be eagerly with anticipation waiting for that day. In the meantime, we are told to go out and make disciples. You know, and, and go out and spread the word, but always be ready for that day. And here's the point I'm trying to make. Joy can be found in what will be and not just what is. Joy can be found in what will be and not just what is. Now, the Christmas account in Luke gives us some insight to some aspects the book of Matthew does not. We read in Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45, we just read that. We read that a woman named Elizabeth is pregnant under miraculous circumstances. Elizabeth happens to be Mary's cousin. Now, Mary is the mother of Jesus. And so Mary goes, visits Elizabeth while the two are pregnant. And it's during this interaction that joy is displayed in a unique way. As Mary arrives in Elizabeth's home, the baby inside, which we know to be John, in her womb, leaped for joy, and we're told that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the text does seem to tell us why he leaped, because, as was his response, that Mary is carrying the Lord. Look at verse 41 again. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with with the Holy Spirit. Just the presence of Christ, although not yet born, being in his presence, John reacted that way. John hadn't been born yet. But you see this powerful effect that just being in the presence of Christ has. And Elizabeth praises as Mary for her belief in God and her willingness to submit to the plan of God that would be birthed in the womb, I mean birthed into the world through her womb. Now, we know the whole story, right? We know what happens, Jesus is born. We know the whole story, but think at that point in time. What in the world were they so joyous about? Christ, well, even John hadn't been born yet. Christ hasn't done anything yet. Why were they so filled with joy at this point? Nothing has happened. There is something we can learn from this. Here's my point. What if, a big what if, we could experience joy now, no matter what's going on around us, but we could have joy because of what could be in the future by the intervention of God. In other words, can we have joy today because we know what God's going to do in the future? That's how we have joy. That's how we can have joy. Elizabeth and her unborn child were rejoicing in what was going to result from Jesus' long-anticipated birth. Mary is blessed because she is trusted and believed in something that has not yet come to pass. Maybe 
You're waiting for something to come to pass. But let me back up for a second. Just anticipating God to show up, that can be enough just to lift your spirits. Now, I know that as a believer, I have the Holy Spirit within me at all times, all places. I can worship God at my house, on the back porch, on the way to work, at work, wherever I can. I can do that, right? I can have that access to God. Now, you don't come to church. We assemble as the church. Let me ask you a question. How did you approach worship service this morning? Did you come with a, a sense of anticipation and joy knowing that God's people are going to be here and God's going to meet with us and God's going to do something? Did you come with that sense of anticipation? God, be with us today. Show us who you are. Speak to us. Show us. And maybe you're waiting for God to do something in your life. Maybe it's a, a prayer uh, for a healing or a restore relationship. Here's the truth, dearly beloved. God is not done yet. He is always working. I want you to remind you of Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. If you are a believer, God is still working on you. And by the way, he's still working on me. He's still working on this church. He's still moving and working on all of us. He's not done yet. What happened? Have we just given up the fight? Have we lost our joy? Because I think we have happiness and joy kind of confused. We'll get more on that in a moment. But just like the presence of Jesus, although he was not born physically as of yet, was there, created this anticipation of joy on the behalf of John. Just being in his presence. Have we lost that? Of being in the presence of God and what that means? Do you realize you can go before a holy, perfect God that created this entire universe by speaking it into existence? That you have full access to his throne room through the blood of Christ and he will listen, he invites you in? You know, as a side note, I wonder sometimes if we could go back in time and grab an Israelite from back in the tabernacle days, not from the tribe of Levi, but just an ordinary guy, and to show him what Christ has done. Because back in those days, you couldn't get in the temple, much less the courtyard. As a Gentile, I'll be outside somewhere. But because of Jesus, not only can I come in the courtyard, not only can I come in the holy place, but I can go in the holy of holies. God's presence because of what Christ has done. You see, good news brings great joy. Then there's another set of characters in the Christmas narrative, and they're shepherds. Now, they didn't have a great reputation in first century Jewish culture. They're outside a lot. They laid way down there with the sheep day after day. They were dirty, smelly, and unfortunately had a reputation for not being very trustworthy. Now consider that just for a moment. Here's a group of people that people look down on. Uh, shepherds, they stink, and they're out there all day rolling around the sheep. And you know what? You can't trust none of them. That's the kind of reputation they had. And yet, they're the first ones to hear about the birth of Jesus. Does that strike you as interesting? 
It does me. You can find this story in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. This angel shows up to them in the middle of the night. And it tells us in the text that they were terrified. You notice only one angel shows up, and then later after he announces the birth, the whole the multitude showed up. And my New Testament professor asked us one time, why is that? And he said, I can't prove this, but if the whole multitude of heaven showed up, they would have been too scared and had a heart attack. They just couldn't take it. Because you see, throughout Scripture, the Old Testament, New Testament, when God shows up, angel, or speaking to someone, everyone has the same uh, statement said to them, do not be afraid. And he tells the shepherds that he has good news. And the reason why it's good news is because it will bring great joy to all the people. And Verse 11 of Luke chapter 2. For today in the city of David there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He is the Savior. He died on the cross to pay for our sins. He gave us access to a holy God. He gave us His righteousness and a promise of eternal life. He promised never to leave us or forsake us. And He did this for everybody. Everybody. He's not just the Savior of some. He's not just the Lord of most, but he is over all, and he gave his life to rescue everybody. I want to say that with more force because you have people out there talking how Christianity is exclusive. There's only one way. Yeah, there's only one way, Jesus Christ. But he tells everybody, everybody come unto me. Anyone can come. It don't matter. Anybody can come unto Jesus and receive salvation. He did that for everybody. You see, that wasn't just good news for the shepherds back then. It's good news for us today. This is why we can live with joy and we can share with others about the joy that we have because this baby Jesus was born in that manger over 2,000 years ago and that very fact changed everything. Think about what the birth of Christ changed. Then you have joy on the other side. Now, I'll explain this as I go along. Joy on the other side. Our celebration at Christmas really only makes sense when you think about what's coming up springtime of next year. That's Easter. Because the birth of Jesus is just the beginning of what he came to do. And as you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it becomes clear that he's going to die on a cross for our sins. Now, his arrest, trial, and crucifixion was horrific. And the pain that he went through, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, I can only imagine how terrible that was. Now, listen to me. Don't look. However, in the middle of it all, Jesus still had joy. Because he knew what was on the other side. If you don't believe me, well, turn to your Bible and look up Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He starts off by saying, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Listen, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We have this great cloud of witnesses. Those are believers who have gone on before. They're surrounding us. They're like cheering us on. 
Let's run this race. Let's do life by fixing our eyes on Christ, who's the author and perfecter of our faith. And remember, for the joy that set before him, he endured it. Endured the cross. The joy set before Jesus was the fact that because of his sacrifice, you and I would be given the opportunity to receive his grace. The reason why Jesus had joy in the darkest time of his life, because he anticipated the resurrection. You see, Elizabeth and the baby inside her womb celebrated because of the reason, because of what Jesus would do in saving the world. The shepherds were given good news that would bring great joy, and Jesus endured the cross because he knew joy was waiting on their side. He knew if he followed the Father's will, he would be exalted. Now, um, this is going to be kind of rough, so bear with me. I, I think the worst thing that we experience in this life is when one of our loved ones passes away. Nothing, the pain. Nothing like it. But the reason why we can have hope and joy through our tears because we know about the resurrection. We know how permanent this life is, but we know that one day we will see him or her again. And on that day, they'll be physically healed. There'll be nothing wrong with them anymore. Yes, weep. Yes, cry. It hurts. But remember the reason why we can have joy, the reason we can have peace and comfort. And here's something that we have a hard time with because we feel like we must feel joy to be joyful. Although I would tell you, I'm sure when Jesus was going through all that, he wasn't feeling very joyful in the moment. He's paying a very heavy price for my sin and yours. But he chose to persevere. He endured the pain to enter the promise. And we are called to follow him. We can have joy and we can anticipate because we know what's waiting on the other side. That what we have now, this is not all there is, it's only the beginning. Only the beginning. Dwight L. Moody, a great evangelist, said it well when he said, quote, happiness is caused by things that happen around me and circumstances will mar it. But joy flows right through trouble. Joy flows on through the dark. Joy flows in the night as well as in the day. Joy flows all through persecution and opposition. It's an unceasing fountain bubbling up in the heart, a secret spring the world can't see and doesn't know anything about. The Lord gives his people perpetual joy when they walk in obedience to him. End of quote. How do we walk in obedience to Jesus? We just read that back in Hebrews chapter 12. Keeping our eyes focused on him. So we are tempted from time to time to forget and lose sight of where our joy comes from. It's good to remind ourselves every once in a while. Do you have joy in this season? If you turn on TV and you watch some of the commercials, 
They want to sell the idea that this product will bring you joy and happiness. But that product can never deliver what's promised. Only Jesus can do that. So here's the challenge. I challenge you to make a conscious effort this year to celebrate with joy because of what Jesus has done for you. No matter what's going on in your life today, with family and friends, plan a time to share one another, laughing around the table, sharing stories about joy. You know, on December the 17th, or after church at 1 o'clock, there's going to be a college prayer meeting, a luncheon. What a perfect opportunity for us to sit around and tell our brothers and sisters the reason we have joy. See, joy is not happiness. Don't get those confused. Happiness comes and goes with your circumstances and your situations. But true joy comes from God. And I invite you to invite a friend over. Bless those who are less fortunate than yourself. And tell them about the joy that you have. This joy and this peace that comes from having a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I think as a culture and as a society, we've lost sight of so many things. Look at what God's blessed us with. Let's think about that for a moment. How many blessings do you have? We have so much to be thankful for. Have you noticed the holidays? You have Thanksgiving, we give thanks. Followed by the greatest gift ever, Jesus Christ, which is followed by a new year, new beginnings that Christ gives us because when Christ will be a new creation, a new creature. And then we have Easter following up by celebrating that our Lord is alive and well and sitting at the right hand of God. See how that all flows together? Where is your joy at? First of all, do you know him? Do you know this Jesus that came to earth so many years ago, who lived a perfect life, who laid his life down and paid the sin debt that you and I can never do? Do you know him? Then I invite you to do that this morning. If you've done that, what has stolen your joy? Does joy mean you're going to walk out of here skipping, woo, everything's perfect? No. It's going to be that almost like peace, that the joy you have that one day, not too far away, all this will come to an end and we'll be part of our true home, our true citizenship, which is in heaven. I'm living with this. We live a lot of our lives with the illusion that we have control. If you think about it, we don't have a lot of control. And yes, I can decide to walk out in the, in the street and get hit by a car, but there's so many things that we don't have control over. There's two big things you have no control over. One is the time of your own physical death. Now, we can do things to speed that up, obviously. We not seek medical attention, but we don't know. Years ago, years ago, Tammy's grandmother was in the hospital at ICU. And she was, you know, how they're forming a the U-shape with a nurse's station right here. And the waiting room was really small. And uh, she was doing pretty good. She had a stroke. And so we're sitting in the waiting room because you don't have so many visitors at a time. 
So we're sitting in this room. We met this other family. And I can't remember all the circumstances, but their loved one was in the ICU unit, of course. But the doctors were telling them they couldn't detect any brain activity. And they would have to decide what they're going to do. So they asked us to pray with them. So we did. And so we walk in. Tammy and me and our family went this way. And they went across, just across the way I could see them. Right where Linda's sitting, about right where you're sitting. And as we are talking, looking at Colleen, we're talking to one another very quietly. All of a sudden, I kid you not, ask my wife. We started hearing a bunch of yelling and screaming and clapping and crying. This woman had come up for a physical or something, had, a, had went unconscious, just like that. And as they gathered around her to pray and grab each other's hand, that lady sat up and looked at them and said, what am I doing here? What you guys doing? Just like that. And I tell you that story because if it's not your time to go, it's not your time to go. But we always have to be prepared. So we don't have any control over that. We have limited control. We can go see doctors, but our days are numbered. The other thing we have, we never know when Christ is going to return. It could be next week. It could be the next five minutes. I don't know. But I know he's coming. And think on this. That Isaiah prophet who had all those signs hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ all came fulfillment in Christ, Right? We have all these promises made about his second return. We can make sure that he's going to, just like he fulfilled those, he's going to fulfill these now. He is coming back. He is coming back. And are you ready? Do you know anybody who needs to be ready? I think we've lost a sense of urgency. I implore you, if the Holy Spirit... As he continues to work among us, if he's convicting you, you need to do something today. Either accept Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, confess and repent of sin, or maybe even joining this local body. Or maybe you just need prayer. Do not leave here until you take care of business with God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for this time we could come together. And Father, we thank you for the gift of your son that no matter what happens in our life, no matter our circumstances, what's going on in the world, that we can have joy, the anticipation of joy of what you're going to do. Father, as we look in the past in our lives, and we can see how your hand has guided us so many times and has protected us. We can see how many promises you have made and you have kept. Indeed, you are a promise keeper. You're faithful when we are faithless. So God, we can look forward with anticipation of joy, knowing that indeed you will send your son back. That all the promises we've read about in Revelation will come to pass. So Father, I pray as anyone in here does not know you, does not know your son, are not sure. Father, you give them the, the courage to step out and take hold of that free gift that you have made for everybody. We thank you for that gift of so many years ago. You didn't have to. 
We didn't, we didn't earn it. We didn't even deserve it. But God, you, you sent your son. We thank you and praise your name for that. Continue to move among us and continue to speak to each and every one of us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please?